Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 164. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are here to discuss Muppet Haunted Mansion. Very excited to discuss this movie. It dropped just a couple of weeks ago on Disney+. Plus. Now, we discussed the original Haunted Mansion film early on in Monoreal Radio. And you can go back and listen to it. I'll link it in the show notes. We pan the movie, which at the time of its release, most critics did as well. But there's something intriguing that has happened in the last few years where the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion film has gained this really... It's such a unique cult following of people that just defend the movie, and I don't know where this came from. My best guess would be that it came from Disney+. Plus. I mean, to be clear, we didn't pan it because the critics panned it. We panned it because it is... It's just not good. ...rife with story issues and plot holes, and we didn't feel like it encompassed the attraction. Right. Like something like Tower of Terror, which we just discussed last week, which was made for TV, was just a spot-on representation of the attraction. Um, so, I, I mean, I didn't like it in 2003. When I saw it, we gave it a second chance when we reviewed it for the show, and I, I just can't get into it. And since then, you know, they kicked around the idea of doing... Uh, a spookier one directed by Guillermo del Toro. I think he pitched it to Disney. And unfortunately, I don't think that's something that's ever going to see the light of day because he does R-rated horrors. So that's never something that they're going to put in theaters, Disney Plus or otherwise, and make Haunted Mansion scary and run the risk of ruining the ride for pe- for first-time riders who don't know that it's whimsical and, and fun and it's not that scary. It's supposed to spook you a little bit, but I think that that would just sort of... It, it wouldn't be in the spirit, no pun intended, of the ride, and it would just be too much and over the top and sort of ruin it for some people. And I think that's why turning towards the Muppets is a good idea. Because, first off, they're an IP. Haunted Mansion is an IP. So Easy peasy. It's easy peasy. Disney's lining their pockets with money. It's it's good content to go right for Disney+. Plus. Not that you needed a reason to subscribe to Disney+, Plus any more than you already have. But when you have unique content like this, they're just doing a good job of building up their library. The other thing that I think works in using the Muppets here... Earlier this year, The Jungle Cruise came out, and The Jungle Cruise movie was not afraid to poke fun at itself and poke fun at the hokiness of The Jungle Cruise. Haunted Mansion is not nearly as hokey as The Jungle Cruise, but it's very tongue-in-cheek. People that are adamant fans of the Disney parks, and there's, there's a whole... There's a whole population of Disney fans that are just dedicated to Haunted Mansion, and they can recite the entire attraction off the top of their heads. So, Which don't do on the ride, by the way. Yeah, don't do it on the ride. Don't but ruin it for everybody, it, especially if it's their first time on it. It definitely adds to the kitsch a bit. So I think when you get that self-deprecating Muppet humor, it's a perfect marriage for the Haunted Mansion. And also, I'm down for more Muppets anytime. You know, they have Muppets now. I'm glad that we're seeing this, what I hope is a revival, because after Jason Siegel's film, they did the Muppet show where Kermit was a late night host on... Um, it was on ABC. It was on ABC, yeah. Actually, no, Piggy was the host, and he was the director yes, and producer. Yes, he was the executive producer, but that's it was right. A, it was a great show. It was brilliant. It was the perfect way to bring them back in a contemporary way. And unfortunately, I think you and I were the only two people that felt that way about it. No, there were a lot of people that felt that way. But as television does, they they are just so quick to hit that cancel button. It's just shows that really deserve a second, third season. They just dump them so quickly. I don't understand why. But That was better than Muppets Now, I think. I think it was better than Muppets Most Wanted. I think it was better than Muppets Now. But... I like the fact that you're tr- you're starting to see the Muppets 
a little bit more, especially they had them at the Hall of Presidents at the Magic Kingdom. They're just trying to get them involved more. So with all of that being said, the question is, were the Muppets, in fact, the perfect match for the Haunted Mansion? This review is sponsored by the Hidden Mickey Supply Co. Products include Disney and Pixar-inspired 3D straw charms. Listeners of Monoreal Radio can get a 10% discount with the code MONOREAL10 at checkout. Visit Instagram or Etsy, search for Hidden Mickey Supply Co., and shop for all of your straw charm needs. It's Halloween night, and Gonzo and Pepe are missing the Muppets Halloween party to attend a challenge at an old mansion where Gonzo's favorite magician, the Great MacGuffin, disappeared 100 years ago. Upon arrival, they are warned not to go in by their limo driver and by the caretaker, but they do anyway, where they meet their ghost host, where he tells them that they must face their fears and survive the night or else they will be stuck in the mansion forever. Gonzo is obsessed with the challenge and the legend of MacGuffin, while Pepe is obsessed with the VIP room and all of its celebrities. They separate, and Pepe finds a VIP room with John Stamos, who ends up being a ghost himself, causing Pepe to run off and panic. The two of them find Madame Pagoda, who lead them to a hallway where they are swept up by Sweetums en route to the party in the ballroom. There they learn that Gonzo and Pepe are actually attending their own funerals, but Gonzo thinks this is all for fun and says that nothing scares him. Pepe then meets the enchanting Constance Hatchaway and is in love at first sight. Gonzo, meanwhile, fire, uh, follows the floating candelabra to room 999. Constance continues to court Pepe while the ghosts of her dead ex-husbands try to warn him not to get involved with her, but they quickly become engaged and plan to marry that night. In room 999, Gonzo learns that his greatest fear is that he will be forgotten and alone if he no longer performs dangerous stunts and that his fear will keep him trapped there forever. When he faces the fear of never seeing his friends again, he is released but decides he can't leave without Pepe, but is warned that they must leave before the sun rises. He rescues Pepe from Constance, and they escape to learn that the ghost host was, in fact, the Great MacGuffin all along. They leave in a limo to attend breakfast with the other Muppets, with the hitchhiking ghosts in tow. I'd like to start off a little unconventional. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question for once. Oh! What do you think about the choice of Gonzo as the main character here? I, I think it makes sense. I think that Kermit and Piggy are, they're at the forefront of everything Muppets. For sure. But I think that people f- sometimes forget that Gonzo has played such an important role in the Muppets. Uh, you know, whether it be the Muppet movie or even even into an in, into animation with Muppet Babies. I feel like he was even more the forefront in Muppet Babies than he was in anything else prior. Um, I think that to put Kermit in this position, Kermit would never be in this position because he's he's kind of jumpy and nervous and scared all of the time. You could put Fozzie in. I like Fozzie, but I'm not sure that I would watch an hour of Fozzie in the Haunted Mansion. I, I think that Gonzo is the one. Gonzo's the one. He makes the most sense. And I think that with the tone of the movie, with the comedy of the movie, it it, it works. And, and the other thing, too, they've hinted at, going back to Jason Siegel's Muppets, when, when Gonzo was running the Royal Flush, they've already planted that he, that he is, like, retiring from doing these stunts. So that's already out there in this Muppet universe. So I think to continue to play up on this, that he's he's kind of pulling himself back from doing this, but it's his great fear that he won't be the great Gonzo anymore. I think playing up on that insecurity works better than anything you could have done with the rest of them. Wow, I hadn't thought of it that way. I mean, I agree with everything that you said, but 
yeah, I didn't really think they were factoring in that sort of a time jump where he isn't doing all of the stunts. It worked for Siegel's movie, and I actually think Gonzo sort of got the short end of the stick in that movie because he didn't really have as much screen time as everybody else, and he is such a main character. Um, But I really hadn't considered that that is sort of a modern story arc for him and they are aging them up a little bit with the audience. That's a really interesting observation. So we're st- how do you feel? You, you're, you're on the same page. You feel that using him as the right character, or would you have preferred to see Kermit or Piggy or Fozzie? It's not that I would have preferred to see Kermit and Piggy, but I was kind of surprised that they didn't just default to Kermit and Piggy. I think that, you know, at a runtime of 52 minutes... Oh, Kermie ever every, you know, five seconds would have gotten really annoying every time she got scared. Right. Uh, and to your point, Kermit doesn't need to prove himself like this. Um, and I don't think I would have gone with Fozzie just because like if they do a Muppets Jungle Cruise, if they don't do Fozzie as the skipper, you've entirely missed the mark. Yes. But to have Fozzie doing the jokes through the haunted mansion, you're going to take away too much from the comedic elements of the ride. So I think Gonzo was definitely the way to go. I also love how they start the movie from a music perspective with dancing in the moonlight. The Muppets always pick great songs to start their films with. Yeah. I love the arrangement that they did with this song to me, this was almost as good as the opening of Seagulls. And I didn't think anything was going to top uh, me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Uh, but this came darn close for me. I also like that they sort of play up on this house on Haunted Hill. That you have to do this overnight challenge and survive the night in this mansion. I love that they pull from classic horror because ultimately this is released in October. I think you can watch this movie just about any time, but for all intents and purposes, it very much is a Halloween film. So I think to pull from classic Hollywood, to pull from a classic Halloween horror film, I really liked the touch that they added with this. I agree. And story-wise... They were very smart the way that they set it up with this limo ride because they're giving us backstory through the limo driver. Yes. Uh, You know, you know that this mansion has a reputation and I don't love leaning on phone calls as exposition, but you do have to give Gonzo a reason not to be with the rest of the Muppets and the Muppets likewise a reason not to be there with him. So I think this was a really smart way to set it up. And in two minutes, they really cover a lot of ground. You mentioned uh, it being sort of a hat tip to old Hollywood. Uh, I love that they chose MacGuffin for the name of the magician. I thought that was so brilliant. And he's got a red herring as his sidekick. It's in perfect Muppets fashion to lean into a play on words. But especially with MacGuffin, a MacGuffin is a plot point that's necessary to move the story forward, which obviously has been around for years and years and years, but the person who coined the phrase MacGuffin was actually Alfred Hitchcock. So it's a nice little hat tip to the master of horror all up front. Yeah, everything that they do from the minute the film starts, it's intentional, but it's smart and it works. I love the hokiness from the minute you're in that limousine. And you pull up to the mansion. And I know that this was kind of a big issue we took with the 03 version. While parts of that set were very cool, I didn't feel like I was at the Haunted Mansion. Here, it's the mansion. Just on the exterior alone, you're at the mansion. And I think it was very important that they got that right from the start. I agree. I think that that is what makes soap the O3 version so polarizing is that it doesn't represent the attraction. And as I said, that was our biggest beef with it. I understand it's an adaptation and I understand that 
that version of the mansion may have worked for that story. But even now, we're talking about setting up the story and what a great job they did and what smart choices they've made in the first three minutes of screen time versus oh three where you've set up forevers and evers we're gonna find your dream home and you're gonna live there forevers and evers and how cheesy that was and already you've just done such a better job of laying the foundation for this story where in the oh three version it was already falling apart by this point correct and you, you're automatically introduced to recognizable characters if you are a fan of the attraction, like the caretaker and the dog. Yes. Like the graveyard ghosts. Now, perhaps it's because the movie is tongue-in-cheek and it is very much satirical, but at the same time, it doesn't feel heavy-handed to me when no. they introduce you to these characters that you already know. I, I just the, like everything they did, they took such great care with. Right. And I actually like that they introduced the caretaker first, because even though the rest of the film, Gonzo and Pepe are going through in the literal order of the ride. I mean, yeah. you are practically in the doom buggy as you are going through this film with Gonzo. And eventually they do end up back in the graveyard. But I think that would have been a little bit too random to introduce that character later. I like that they set it up first and they bring you full circle. Right, because not only does it introduce you to a character that you're familiar with, but I think it does do a good job of setting up the mystery. Yes. And and setting up that you, you're not sure who to trust. And it kind of forces you as the viewer... Like, here's the thing. Fans of Disney Parks and fans of the Haunted Mansion are going to have their eyes peeled the whole time because they're looking for Easter eggs. But if you are not as in tune with the Haunted Mansion, I think what this does is it forces you to keep your eyes peeled and to sort of sit on the edge of your seat and start questioning who it is that you trust, starting with the ghost host. Yes. When we meet him, played by Will Arnett, um, I love how... They pepper in the attraction dialogue, again, without forcing it down your throat. But it's interesting. The ghost host, to me, is a really interesting character because in the ride, you never see the ghost host. You can argue that you see his body. You can make the argument, and they try to, they try to give that backstory in the 03 version uh with 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 the body hanging and it it crashed and burned it crashed and burned ramsley crashes and burns so i think that you have to be very careful when it comes to this iconic character who's faceless but i think that what they did here was great because without getting into character too much i like how will arnett plays him because will arnett's brand of comedy parallels with the Muppets very well. And when they do pepper in that dialogue and they cheese up on it and they play up on it, it just the, the banter back and forth and the, the hokiness of it is just absolutely perfect. Absolutely. I love that they gave us what we know and they build on that. I mean, for the most part, the speech is verbatim what it is when you step into the stretching room yeah and then the music comes up underneath oh, exactly so good. but they still muppet it up with yep. those other two what is it the mummy and the other ghosts that come in and they keep going bam, bam, bam. yeah and it's cheesy and it's hokey but you took what we knew and you elevated it to make it fit this movie right and just how they did that now we're seeing the portraits and they're yes. the portraits from the attraction, but it's with the Muppet characters. So brilliant. I love that. I love everything about it. And then I love that we're in the stretching room. I love this stretching room scene. Disney, I beg you on bended knee, please, please, please make these actual portraits with the Muppets. They're awesome. And I love the goat. The goat joke oh just <laughs> lands every single time. 
I kind of felt like that was a passe internet sensation, but apparently screaming goats are going to work no matter what. No matter what. And, and and just some of the dialogue is really funny here. Like when Pepe and Gonzo were talking about, Pepe just wants to go to this VIP room. He wants to be with all the beautiful people of Hollywood. And he says, I want horsey derves. Like it's <laughs> everything. I, I like this setup too. We haven't really talked about this. I like how you have Gonzo... To him, this is just a game. It's all about MacGuffin. And Pepe just wants to be Pepe. He wants to be suave, and he wants to hang out with these A-listers. He wants to be with Beyonce, and he wants to be with all of these, you know, as he says, the beautiful celebrities, because he himself believes himself to be one. So the fact that they have no idea what they're walking into, that fish-out-of-water direction that they take here, and the fact that... It's Pepe that figures it out, and Gonzo is still like, no, this is just a part of the game. I love it. I'm here for it. This entire thing works from start to finish. I agree. I also think this is why it works better than Kermit and Piggy, because you have the buddy movie element through Gonzo and Pepe. For sure. And to your point, the the, the set is incredibly spot on. Because it wasn't until the second time around that I realized that for the most part, you are going through the ride. And I love that it's Bunsen and Beaker that are the uh, the busts. Yes. They were the authors. Yeah. And they turn quickly and they say that they don't have any more screen time because of budget cuts. I, I love that they even throw that joke in. Again, it's the self-deprecating. Muppet humor, but it's also very much, I do believe it's a shot at the people making the decisions at Disney right now. Uh, that's I don't think that's lost on anybody. Uh, so I love the social commentary because it that's the Muppets. They're always going to have a social commentary and they're going to knock it out of the park. No, and I like that they address it because... Some movie, some Muppets are more main characters than others are, but they're always in the background at some point. Like even, you know, what they do with Muppets 3D. You've seen Bean Bunny a million times. You probably just didn't even know who he was until you went on Muppets 3D. So there are a lot of familiar faces that you're expecting to see. But if they don't have as much screen time, you're going to want to know about it. So I love that they addressed why Bunsen and Beaker didn't have like their own scene where something exploded that we would expect to see and I mean I love a good Bob paycheck dig at any time anywhere and you know it's funny that you bring up Bean because I was thinking about it I don't think we see him in this movie I don't recall seeing him if we did it might have been for a second but I don't recall seeing him I thought he was in the ballroom scene but I could be mistaken. It it might have just been like a blinker, you'll miss it thing. He definitely didn't have any speaking lines. And I kind of wish that they would have like inserted him, even if it was just for one or two lines, because he is such a big part of Muppets 3D. And I understand that this is Muppet Haunted Mansion. You're not making a, a film based upon, a, you know, a film, but but I think if he is such a focal point of a Disney Parks attraction, just a little Easter egg, a little tip of the cap would have gone a long way. I, I wish we would have had it. Listen, it doesn't ruin the movie, but I do wish we would have had something with being here. I agree, especially because we do eventually get Sweetums. You could have very easily tied him in there. Um, I want to circle back to what you said about the uh, the accuracy of the set here. Yeah. Uh, did you notice, I mean, obviously, the wallpaper is iconic. Yep. But did you notice that they took the Haunted Mansion pattern and put the Muppets in there? No. Yeah, they, it's, it. you have to look really, really close, but uh, Deadly's in there, Pepe is in there, Um I have to get a shot of it. If if I can find it, I'll post it on social media so you can see. But it even that is representative of the Muppets. They just built the the pattern with a couple of silhouettes. Can we talk about John Stamos? Of course. Juan Stamos <laughs> in the VIP beautiful person's room. And he's just credited as famous person. 
I love it. I mean, he's such a Disney fan. Like, how do you do this without him, you know? He was perfect. Yeah. And the fact that he himself was a ghost, it, it you get that jump like something you'd see in Beetlejuice, you know? Like, it's such a good... It, it's it's a quick cameo, but it's funny. And I, I just love the interaction that he has with Pepe. Yeah, and I like that it was kind of a one-off thing. I don't know that he needed to be inserted into an iconic scene. Agreed. After that happens, we get Miss Piggy as Madame Leota, or Madame Pagoda. Um, and the music, the instruments, it's Dr. Teeth. So brilliant. How do, so perfect. How do you feel about this? Other than Dr. Teeth, how do you feel about Piggy as Leota or Pagoda? I'm glad you asked that because... I love the scene for Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. They are my favorite Muppets since I'm a kid. Always have been, always will be. So I thought that was perfect to have them as the instruments. Honestly, Piggy took me out of it for a second. I mean, I know that you needed somebody to be Madame Leota. That's a given. I would have been more angry if she was left out of it. But what takes me out of it is that we know that Kermit and Piggy are at the party so why are they here? That's the only bit of a disconnect. It's something that, I mean, I'll totally overlook it, but I'm wondering why they didn't use more of the celebrity cameos as the iconic ghosts in the in the attraction when we know the Muppets are off doing their own thing somewhere else. You know, just just story wise, it sort of takes you out of it. But at the same time, it's Muppets Haunted Mansion. So why wouldn't you have the Muppets being these iconic characters in the ride? Well, this is my to your point. This was this was maybe my biggest issue with it, with the movie in general, is Kermit and Piggy are off at this party. Yet at the same time, they're at the mansion during the challenge. Now, if this was the mansion manifesting individuals that Gonzo was close to as a means of haunting him personally. Right. It works. But the thing is, they never, they never come out and tell you that that's what's happening. You have Kermit and Piggy playing specific roles in the mansion, but at the same time, they're already Kermit and Piggy at their own party with the rest of the Muppets. Exactly. And I can buy that in the sense of we have seen the Muppets cast in A Christmas Carol. You have seen the Muppets cast in Treasure Island. So, I mean, I love that about the Muppets, too, that they treat them as you know, hired actors to tell a story. I think it's brilliant. It's, it's you know, when you've grown up on the Muppets, it's what you love about them is seeing them at, in these familiar stories. Yeah. But for this, you kind of break the world that you've built a little bit by having them do double duty, especially because we see Gonzo looking in on them through the mirror later on. What also sort of breaks we'll call it the fourth wall, I guess, for argument's sake, is that, I mean, I love that we get the Kim Irvine cameo. It's probably my favorite cameo in the movie. Oh, for sure. It's doing right by her. Obviously, her mother played Madame Leota. She was a Disney uh, Imagineer, and they needed somebody, you know, I mean, I'm sure I'm telling everybody what they already know, but they just kind of grabbed her off the lot one day because they needed to film somebody to be Madame Leota, and... Now their entire family has a Disney legacy. Um, so I don't think that you can do this movie, especially not this scene without Kim Irvine. Um, but I wish we had more clarity on whether or not she was supposed to be a ghost because so far every human that we have met in the mansion, now I'm talking about in the mansion, the caretaker is separate because he never goes inside. Right. He doesn't live there. But MacGuffin, ghost. Uh, Juan Stamos, ghost. So... Even though she is an employee of the mansion, I don't think we should have had any humans that were really living in there. That sort of took me out of it a little bit. I think, yes, that makes sense. Um, 
I mean, perhaps she's a ghost and they just don't ever tell us that she's a ghost. I don't know. That's it's a question worth asking. But I think the fact that they gave her a cameo in her mother's scene, especially now that you've seen her in Behind the Attraction, you've seen her in the Imagineering story. She herself has had such a role within the company in in the Bob Paycheck era that we're living in. Ah, I love that you're doing it too now. The fact that you take somebody like her who has a Disney lineage and you gave her a cameo in a film in, in a scene that is so important to her, it's nice to see that in spite of that, there are still people out there working for the company that are taking great care of the people who work within that company and they are recognizing you know, thing, things that are so important. They're, they haven't removed the human element is basically what I'm saying. No, I completely agree. But just as far as the world that we've built here, I either would have preferred her to disappear in a cloud of smoke or put her in the bubble and let her be Madame Leota instead of Piggy. And that would address what we're talking about earlier as far as the Muppets. We know they're at the party and now they're in two places at once. Now, with all of that being said, I don't care because in the next scene, Fozzie's the hatbox ghost and there's nothing better. Yeah. I don't care that he's in two places. Let's talk about this. I love that Sweetums picks them up and they basically ride into the ballroom scene. Above the ballroom, just like we do, they get our POV. So perfect. It's so perfect. I love that Rolf is in there playing the organ. I think that this is a proper ballroom scene, unlike the scene that you get in the O2 version. But Fozzie has the hat box ghost is probably the most perfect, for a lack of better term, the most perfect casting in the entire movie. Absolutely. I love that they lean into the whimsical nature of the visual of this ghost, but then you have Fozzie take on this element of a second-rate magician who can't pull off the trick, just like he can never pull off the joke. Uh, it's just so brilliant. And that's where I don't care that we know the Muppets are at the party and they're also here too. I think that would have been interesting though if they used the ballroom scene to mirror what was going on on the outside at this party. And that sort of leaned into Gonzo's fear. It just would have tied it together a little bit more. Like if there was the alternate universe going yes. on. Yeah, and he realized what he was missing by trying to, you know pull off this one last great feat of spending the night there and he realized he was missing out on a good time with his friends, which there was one thing that we forgot to mention about this Muppets party in the beginning, the Kermit and Piggy switch. Yes, where they dressed up as each other. For Halloween. It's It was so funny. I, and I love that they, they call it out and they impersonate each other. It was It was hilarious. Now up to this point, Gonzo is still clapping and having a good time. He It's like he is at the hoop-de-doo review, just having a <laughs> great time with the party. And it's Pepe that's trying to tell him that this is all a setup. We got to get out. We got to get out until Constance arrives. I love that Constance is here. Yes. I think Taraji P. Henson was perfect. Yes. I love that she plays up on that, that she kind of targets Pepe because we know that that's Pepe's thing, right? He's always suave. He's the ladies' man. He's a king prawn. Putting him, this is where putting him with Gonzo works so well because, quite honestly, I can't think of any other Muppet that could have pulled off this very quick love at first sight budding romance that one would have with Constance other than Pepe. Agreed, but this is where Kermit and Piggy would have actually been interesting if Constance tried to woo Kermit, let's say, and Piggy had to save him. That would have actually been an interesting story to build off of. But I don't care because we finally get Constance. How she was not the focal point of the O3 version is still far beyond me um, because she's the most interesting ghost. Yeah. I mean, and if you think about it, she's sort of the reason for the whole thing. 
Exactly. And I thought that's where they were going in the 03 version that Gracie had married Constance and she killed him. But I guess that must have been too dark at the time. But if they're but his gonna... suicide is just fine. <laughs> Um, no, but that, that was going to be my point. If they are going to bother to redo this again, it has to be centered around Constance. It has to. Yeah. But I love that she's here. We get Walt. That's the other thing. Yes. I was so happy to see. Unfortunately, he was one of the uh, dead ex-husbands, but I was so happy that he was there. I love that Jason Siegel did create a canon Muppet now. And I love that we continue to see him in things, but I think this was the wrong place for him. I was pretty bummed out. Um, yes and no. I mean, do we care that Lou Zealand is there? I mean, like (laughs) they're all likable Muppets. They are. That's true. You don't want to see any Muppets dead, but, uh, I, I mean, I have such a fondness for Walt that, it was just kind of a bummer to see him this way. I love that they rush into this marriage. I love that it's very clear because they tell you each of these ghosts basically tells you what she did to them. And her whole thing is, I'm going to fatten you up because she just wants to eat a king prawn. Like, you know, that's where this is going. I love that this is the turn they take with it. I do too. And I love that we get more of the husband's backstories because you go on the ride, you go through that attic so quickly, unless the ride stalls out, you never get enough time in there to take in all of the details. (laughs) Yeah. But every, I feel like anytime I have gotten stuck, I mean, since I was a kid and that's, I think that's why I love the ride so much. I've gotten stuck backwards on the hill when you're falling out of the attic more times than not. Or just right in front of Constance. I want to get stuck like just before so I can really take in the stories of all the men that she's killed. Uh, So I like that that plays out a little bit here. Yeah. I love that Deadly is there. That Deadly is the one that's going to marry them. Perfection. In sickness and in heck. Yes. It's not all wakes and weddings. It's, It's so... I love Deadly... Just in general. More deadly, please. All the time. this was such the perfect spot for him. Yeah. Because you could make the case that he would have been a good ghost host as well if you were going with a traditional ghost host. Agreed. Not it being MacGuffin. So when it it turns out that he is not the ghost host, which is sort of in my mind, well, it's where I thought he would be placed until we learned that Will Arnett had been cast in the role. This is the only other place, in my opinion, that I think it works. I agree. I love, in the next scene, the ghost Gonzo puppet. Let's talk about the scene where Gonzo has to take a look, a literal look in the mirror and face his fears. I love this scene for Gonzo. I love the scene for the movie. The fact that it is that literal look in the mirror, but I love the puppet itself. Because it's so unsettling to see Gonzo with the shriveled up nose and his hands turn to skeleton hands. And at one point, I'm not sure if you caught this, as they age him more and more, his fingers start falling off. Yes. Like while he's emoting. I thought that other than the scene being great, I thought this was one of the most imp- this was one of the most important puppets that we've seen in almost any Muppet film. Not puppets, they're Muppets. I actually didn't like this the first time around because I thought it took a far too serious tone for such a whimsical movie. I mean, we, we've said it a million times, you've got the whimsy of the mansion compounded with the Muppet humor. It's just such the perfect marriage and this sort of took me out of it the first time around. But... The first time I was watching it, I was also all about, oh, my God, this is so clever. Look at the sets. Look at this. And I think that's why it was so jarring. Focusing more on story when we watched it again. Yeah, this is such a great Gonzo moment. It's why you picked him as the lead for this film and why you didn't go with a Kermit or Piggy or Fozzie. Um, the, The... 
aged Gonzo, though, there's two of them. I don't know if you caught it. The first time his hair gets really erratic yeah. and his nose is just like a little bit longer. Yeah. And then the second one, he's almost completely bald. Um, he looks like one of the hitchhiking ghosts, actually. And uh, his nose is like really shriveled like an old carrot, which I don't. I think if I was a kid, that really would have bothered me. I don't know why. I, I was like a weird kid when something didn't look like it was supposed to, I would freak out about things. So I think seeing Gonzo this way would have really frightened me as a kid. Um, but yeah, I, I like the scene and I like how it ties up the film because otherwise, like how are they going to escape at this point? You really have to have a full arc and have Gonzo learn a lesson to come out on the other side. Yeah, and and the movie ends kind of quickly. You don't need much after this, right? You get you get another nod to some classic horror where you get the Shining twins, which I thought was a really interesting placement. I loved it. I love that you got the Shining twins. Yeah, I don't care that it's not in the haunted mansion. It's just good classic horror. Yeah, I love it. And he basically Gonzo just busts Pepe out of that wedding. They fly out the window. It's very quick. But it didn't need to be more than that. And now you're back outside with the caretaker. And we didn't mention before, the dog is Sprocket from Fraggle Rock. Yes. Which I absolutely love that they're still they're still even reaching into that universe because it's all a part of that Muppet universe, that, that Henson universe that all exists. And I'm hoping that we see more Fraggle Rock. Oh, please. They've been talking about yes. it for years. The headstones are great. The ones that uh, that the caretaker are chiseling, where they call Peppy a shrimp, and they it's just prawn the, but not forgotten. Prawn but not forgotten. It's that classic, hokey, cheesy, light-hearted humor that you're so accustomed to from the attraction carried over into the movie. I thought it was just absolutely perfect that they did this. I agree, and I like that we saw them at the end of the film as opposed to the gravestones being a very heavy-handed look. It it would have pulled too much from A Christmas Carol yes. when you have Ebenezer Scrooge looking at his own grave. Right. Uh, so I'm glad they did it the way they did with the literal and metaphorical look in the mirror. Um, let me ask you something, though. So Gonzo, in order to get to Pepe... Uh, MacGuffin is revealed as the magician and a ghost. Uh, he gives him the candelabra to find his way up to Pepe. And Gonzo's going up all of these stairs and he takes that one big like leap of faith. The way that the, the roof is pitched on, this scare, on the stairwell, the stairwell, um, did you think that was a nod to finding a way out? Because he's reaching for that hook. I thought it was a nod back to the stretching room from the attraction. That's that's what I thought. But the way that they have the hook there, I kind of thought that that was, you know, setting up how MacGuffin found his way out. Right. Yeah. Because ultimately I, they jump out the window. Right. And back into the graveyard. But I kind of thought they were hat tipping back to the beginning a little bit. So did I. I, I thought more so to the beginning of the attraction, not yes. so much the beginning of yeah, the yeah, film. Yeah. Um, and I love the MacGuffin twist, actually. I love that MacGuffin is, in fact, the ghost host. Because, as I said to you before, the ghost host is an iconic character without a face. So, if you're going to give him a face, I, I feel like you really have to make it work. I think having MacGuffin as the ghost host works. I'm not sure how you feel about it, but I like that that's where they went. Instead of doing a Ramsley thing. Because Ramsley just... It didn't work. This, I felt, worked far better. Well, I guess that's it, though. Your MacGuffin can't be your red herring. Right. Right. But, um, and I love that you do get the hitchhiking ghosts as well. Yes, because it's like, what did, what did we forget? What are we missing? Something, for as much as they give you, I was like, we're missing something. We're missing something. But they did such a good job, I couldn't put my finger on it. And I was like, oh. Boom, there it is. Yeah. We talked about Will Arnett and Taraji P. Henson. Um, I want to talk quickly. One more um, uh, actress in the film, Yvette Nicole Brown, plays the limo driver. Um, 
we know that Disney has dipped into that well before. She she's on Big Shot with Stamos. I like Yvette Nicole Brown a lot. I liked her as quick and as brief as she's in this. I did like her a lot. I agree. What I I, I want to be Yvette Nicole Brown seriously because this woman makes her fandoms known. And she gets cameos everywhere. Like, she goes on record saying she likes Walking Dead. Boom. She's on Talking Dead at least once a season, if not twice. She loves the Muppets. Here you go. A Muppets movie. I, I love that she can just be a fan. And they will take her seriously enough to take on these things. So that's that's awesome. Uh, no, and it was fun seeing her in this role. Um, a little heavy handed at the beginning with, no, I won't be back the next day. You're not going to make it out. But, um, obviously they bring it full circle. Uh, and I like that they gave her more screen time. Let's talk about the music, the, uh, songs that were written for the film. And the rest of the cameos, because this is where you get really all of your fun, especially in the first song. Yes. Rest in Peace, which is the song sang by Darren Chris. I think he is so much fun here. I love him as the caretaker, and I love the song specifically. Couldn't agree more. Darren Chris is another one who has made his Disney fandom known, and they keep paying him back in dividends because he keeps getting roles and cameos in all of these, you know, Disney films. I'm surprised actually they didn't tap Jordan Fisher now that I'm thinking about it because he is such a Disney fan. He got married there. He sings happily ever after for crying out loud. But I, I guess that's it. You get ha- happily ever after. You need to give somebody else a turn. But um, I'm surprised we didn't get Neil Patrick Harris in here somewhere. Same. Same. Unless they shot this during COVID. I know he's been out in the Hamptons like the entire time. So I, I don't think he's left there. But anyway, I love Darren Chris's performance. And I just love this song. I think it's so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh it sets up the plot. It The lyrics are so clever. They incorporate all of the headstones, which is so important because as you're walking through the graveyard on the attraction, you have all the Imagineer names that worked on the ride there. So you still see that uh, playing back a little bit here and you get so many great cameos. I mean, Danny Trejo in the, in the jail cell. Are you kidding me? Yeah, Danny Trejo. He's uh, Hewitt. Alfon- and they say, get him some tacos. I know. Alfonso Ribeiro plays Fred. Chrissy Metz is Harriet. Jeannie May is Maud. Shazir Zameda is Mary. And Ed Asner, Ugh. in one of his last roles, uh, is Claude. I- As a ghost. That's that's pretty heartbreaking. But you also get the singing busts because yes. they do tie in Grim Grinning Ghosts. Before I talk about the busts, how do you feel about them tying in Grim Grinning Ghosts as opposed to giving an entire number to Grim Grinning Ghosts? As much as it's my jam, I think they were smart to do it here and not isolate it into its own thing. Agreed. I think that, you you know, the, the part of the... Part of the appeal of these Muppet films are the original songs. So you could have done Grim Grinning Ghost. It would have been fine. But I actually like that they tied it in. Again, much better than the 03 version. Tied it in to this original track. Um, Sky John, uh, Sky Jackson, Jeff Niley, Justina Machado, Craig Robinson, and Pat, Pat Sajak. <laughs> are the because singing why busts. not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're great. Yeah, and I kind of, I feel like it would have dragged out the end of the film if they had come crashing out of the attic and then we saw it play out as if it were real time on the ride. Like, you kind of just had to get them out of there at that point. I think it just would have been a little bit too much, but uh, I like it. I think the busts were hysterical. Um, I loved all the cameos, specifically Ed Asner and Chrissy Metz. I think they were so great. I wanted to spend a little bit more time in there. That's that's my only gripe. I just wanted a little bit more time in that graveyard, as I always do. Life Hereafter is the song sung in the ballroom. I think that, similar to Rest in Peace, I think this is so much fun. I love the tongue-in-cheek humor, specifically that the, that the ride stalls, that they actually play up on the ride stalling here. Brilliant. 
It is absolutely brilliant. And stylistically, I just love the song. Yeah, for sure. Although, the Tie the Knot Tango with Taraji P. Henson and Pepe, in my opinion, this is the song of the movie. Really? I think this is the best song. I think it's a very good duet. I think she knocks it out of the park. I think this is the best song in the, in the entire film. For me, it's Rest in Peace. Because I also, lo- we didn't mention, I love the uh, the Muppet ghosts that they made that are flying around. Rest in Peace just, it, it gives you everything that you could want and more. And it's such a strong start for this film. So that's my favorite. I think that's the song of the movie. But I was like blown away by Taraji. She was incredible. Yeah, and they made her scary when her eyes would glow. Like, she she was just she was just perfect. I don't know what else to say. I agree. Even though that's not something you see on the ride, I didn't care. I love that it was something that she got to make her own. But yeah, she sounds phenomenal. It's a great song. I am impressed that she was able to dance with Pepe <laughs> in that way because that could not have been easy to like hunch yourself over like that. But yeah, uh, she made it work. She you made could tell work. she was having a blast for sure. And the pearls. We didn't talk about how she has pearls one for each husband they got that accurate final thoughts i'll let you go first i i mean was i really not gonna love this it's haunted mansion it's muppets it's a match made in heaven i wish that this is what they had done the first time out instead of the 03 version um it was just everything that i wanted it to be and so much more i mean the first time we watched it i was sitting there and i am staunch on don't talk through a movie take in the movie respect what the artists have done and what they have put up on the screen in front of you and I was loud (laughs) like admittedly I was loud going oh my god I love this oh my god this is so brilliant I was hooked within the first three minutes and it just kept getting better and better and better and I just kept finding more things to love about it as we were going through um is this perfect? I'm not going to give it a perfect review because there was just that one little element that took me out where you have Kermit and Piggy as the ghosts, but we know they're at the party. So that sort of pulled me out of it a little bit too much. But just as far as encompassing the attraction, absolutely loved it. And I mean, the music... It, it just put it over the top. I, I love this. I will watch it again and again and again. It doesn't have to be Halloween. It's a near-perfect film. I think that, for me personally, just leave it here. I, I don't need another Haunted Mansion movie at this point. I've we, we, You tried it with Eddie Murphy. It didn't work. You did it here. It works. I don't think you need another Haunted Mansion film. I'll be honest with you. I would be perfectly fine if they just left it here. We know they are going to make another Haunted Mansion movie. Hopefully they get it right. But if they announce tomorrow they pulled the plug on it and this was the last one, I'd be like, cool, I'm done. I'm good with this. I mean, that's that's just how I feel about it. I disagree because I want the constant story. I want to see that play out. I want to see it play out in real time through flashback. Or if that's the beginning of the movie and they flash forward. I don't care how we get it. I just want the constant story played out. However, what I don't want to see is like a six-part Disney Plus series. Because there is so much you could do. There are so many ghost stories that you can tell. But I don't know that I need to live in the world for that long. Because I feel like it will pull away from the magic. Like... The only other thing that I would love to see, and if they did the Constance movie, I think you could work this in. The um, This is like one of the best kept secrets. And we hardly ever get to do it because we always go on Haunted Mansion at the end of the night when there's no line and we blow past it. The bus, not the singing ones. Uh, I think one of them is Maude and, and you get the kids and they have a story you can actually solve that to find out who killed everyone. So if they did a whodunit movie, I'm all on board for that too. But I just don't want to see it because as I'm sitting here spit spitballing, there's so much that you could do, but I don't want to see it in six parts. Where does this rank in attraction films? We talked about the ranking last week after we discussed the Tower of Terror. 
I would probably... I would rank this above Tower of Terror. And I loved Tower of Terror, but I would actually rank this above it. I don't know that I would... And I would rank... I know you didn't consider Tomorrowland to be an attractions film, but I did. Uh, I would not put this as high as Pirates of the Caribbean. So I guess it, that's my way of saying I would rank it number two. I don't know that I would really count this either because it's the Muppets. You know, unless they did an entire spinoff where we do the attraction rides with Muppets. I mean, I'm all for that because I think you could right a lot of wrongs. They did it with Haunted Mansion. I'm looking at you now, Country Bears. Um, So I'm fine with that. I would honestly rather see the Muppets have the attraction rides than keep cranking things out like Jungle Cruise and... To be honest, we didn't love Jungle Cruise as much as we hoped we would. Uh, so rather than set us up for disappointment more, I'd rather see the Muppets keep keep going at it. I just realized in our in our reviews and our rankings of attraction films, we didn't even bring up Country Bears last week. No. But you know why? Because I did thing, that on purpose. Here's my thing with Country Bears. And I said it when we reviewed the movie. If it's a satire, it's incredible. If it's meant to be taken seriously, it's horrible. And they don't do enough to tell you whether it's satire or whether it's meant to be real. So I almost don't know how to rank it. The Christopher Walken scene where he's... Country Bear Hall, oh no! With the anvil, yeah. My vote would be satire. But anyway, we're interested in knowing what you have to say about Muppet Haunted Mansion. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. News of the week is coming up, but first, a quick break. If you're thinking of taking a Disney trip this year, whether it's Walt Disney World in Florida, Disneyland in California, a Disney cruise, or Olani in Hawaii, get in touch with me for a free quote. I would love to help you plan a trip for you and your family. Or even if you've already booked reach out. I want to help get you the best deal possible. You can contact me on any of the Monoreal Radio social media outlets or shoot me an email at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at MagicalVacationPlanner.com. News this week is brought to you by Karma and Kismet Designs. If you are looking for art prints, stationery, greeting cards, apparel, or home decor, Kelly has you covered, and her work is spectacular. Plus, listeners of the show get a 10% discount with the code MONOREAL10 at checkout. Be sure to see everything that she has to offer at KarmaAndKismetDesigns.com. That's Karma, the letter N, KismetDesigns.com. We got the Lightyear trailer drop this week. It's opening on June 17th of 2022. It's a polarizing trailer. I... I don't want to get into politics, but this is a polarizing trailer for a lot of people. On the one hand, the use of of Bowie is spectacular. So brilliant. And it looks really cool. But there are just a lot of people that can't get past that Tim Allen is not in this film. Do people not understand what they are doing here, though? No, I don't think they do. Uh, yeah, that's it. I don't because I feel like when they announced this film, the same uproar happened and then it was like, oh, well, it's not the real buzz. And it's like, did did we forget? Chris Evans is not playing the Buzz Lightyear we know. The Buzz Lightyear we know is Andy's toy. This is the Buzz Lightyear that that toy was modeled after. And people are just not understanding it. They're not trying to take anything away. But with all that aside, I didn't really want to get into it because I just want to talk about the trailer for what it is. It's a teaser. It's not even a full-blown trailer. We don't have plot yet. We just have some images. We know there's going to be aliens. And they picked a brilliant song. Because could they have gone with Rocket Man? Sure. Absolutely. I think Bowie was the way to go here. For sure. It looks spectacular. Uh, I like that we see Buzz a little younger, a little more buff. Um, I'm I'm so intrigued, and personally, I wish they would have just cut to the chase and gone straight for this rather than Toy Story 4. Agreed. That I agree with. Um, and I actually am excited to see what Chris Evans can do with it because he was so good as Captain America um, that I'm excited to see him in this role and 
I'm excited to see if they can expand on it. What I don't want to see is if this is successful, I don't want to see us then get a Woody movie. You don't need a Woody movie. You have Toy Story 2. Now, it's different because the Woody toy is based on a Woody marionette from Woody's Roundup. But I don't think we need to see, like, the history of Woody's Roundup. That was the purpose of the second film. I think, in this case, if it's successful and you do another Lightyear movie, that's fine. But in terms of that Toy Story universe, I feel like with this this character's... It, it's, it's one and done. I, I don't want to see you expand on anything past this. I agree. But we're interested in knowing what you have to say about the Lightyear trailer. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us monorealradio at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us this and every week on Monoreal Radio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on Verbal or your podcast platform of choice. Of course, follow us on that social media. We are on TikTok as well at Monoreal Radio. For links to everything, it is online at monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.